Welcome back, everyone, to Whatever the Weather. Today we are talking about a topic very familiar to Texans, people across the South, especially around spring and summertime, drought. We're starting to see drought creep back into Texas, and so we wanted to talk about what drought is and the history of droughts. Something to note here is people were doing construction while we were recording our podcast, so you may hear a couple of bangs throughout the podcast. We did our best to remove them, but we hope you'll excuse the extra noise. Please, please, please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. It really helps our numbers go up, and we really want to hear from you, our listeners. So here's today's Whatever the Weather episode, all about drought. today, Katie? I had a jalapeno salmon fiesta burger. What? And it it's my favorite thing. I'm going to eat them so much I'm going to get salmon sick of them. Party burger? Fiesta. Fiesta. Yeah. yeah. That, that's just what it's But it's like, you know, salmon, uh, cheese, jalapenos, other like spicy things. Where'd you get it? H-E-B. H-E-B Shout is out. the best best grocery store in all of the land. And we do need to explain that because, because, wait for it. She's on her phone, people. She's on her phone, ladies and gentlemen. What is she doing? Because we've got some listeners from all across the USA. We do because our listeners are wonderful. Shannon Shannon. O'Donnell from KOMO in Seattle. Oh, yes. Listen, Shannon left us the best review on iTunes, Apple's podcast. Amazing. So thanks, Shannon. Thank you. She's a meteorologist. Yeah. And Seattle folks, they definitely don't have H-E-B. Also, we have people listening in Iceland, which is crazy. My friend Gunhildur lives up in Iceland, (laughs) and her sister-in-law is one of like, hmm, 10 meteorologists in Iceland and she listens, which is like, that's crazy too. That is so cool. So thank you everybody from not Texas and thank you everybody from Texas. <laughs> but we feel so, we feel so grateful. Also, H-E-B is the best. It's a grocery store. The guys who started it, its name is Herbert E. Butt, not joking. That's actually his name. Yep. And he created the best grocery store. The generic food is better than the brand food. So thanks. H-E-B. But really, those salmon, they're, they're great. You should try it. What did you have for lunch? Um, Taco Cabana. But it was like... <laughs> Is that national? Somewhat. Mid- Taco Cabana <laughs> is like high-class Taco Bell. Yeah. Okay, and I had a quesadilla, and I asked for a condiment called Salsa Ranch, which is pretty good. <laughs> and they gave me like an empty carton with a drop of salsa ranch in it. I'm not kidding. That's definitely a Texas thing, salsa ranch. You know, it's also we, a- We te- like our ranch yeah, and our salsa, gonna, so we're just gonna combine it. We're gonna combine it. <laughs> you know what also is a Texas thing? Drought. Yes. Well, I was gonna say flash flooding. <laughs> that was last week's episode. <laughs> I'm so confused. We need a little bit of coffee. Yeah, drought mm-hmm. is uh, not only a Texas thing, but it's a national thing. So today, Katie and I are going to talk about drought, mm-hmm. what it means. You know what I do picture? You know that SpongeBob episode where um, Sandy invites <laughs> SpongeBob into her air dome? Yeah. And he's like, water. <laughs> yes. And he gets all like, yep. Puckered up. It's all dry and wrinkly. (laughs) That's what I picture. So throughout this, imagine SpongeBob as a dry sponge Mm -hmm. saying, Water. 
was really good. All right, so I am going to talk about the science behind drought today. Uh, drought, Katie, is not easily definable, okay? When you think about a hurricane, you know what a hurricane is, right? Big spinny storm system full of water. And then you, when you think about a thunderstorm, that's very easily definable, a mm -hmm. rainstorm with thunder and lightning. Or a tornado, a whirling dervish of anger. Okay, all of those things yes. are easily definable, uh, especially by like wind speeds and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Drought is so subjective, okay? Mm -hmm. For example, a farmer may consider a two-week period without rain a drought because mm -hmm. it has a negative impact on their crop. Meanwhile, though, for us meteorologists, a drought is an extended period of time where rainfall is less than normal. Mm -hmm that poses its own problems because what the heck is normal? It varies depending on where you live around the United States. Mm -hmm. Precip falls randomly across the nation every year. But, you know, over several years, you pretty much end up with the same amount of rain. It mm -hmm. averages, okay? So drought takes into effect, into account, into effect, into account all of the rainfall averages. Mm -hmm. And if it's below that rainfall average, then the little drought ding, 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 may occur, okay? Got may it. occur. So an example, the desert southwest gets less than three inches of rain a year. Wow. San Antonio gets more than 32 inches of rain. That's crazy. Meanwhile, New Orleans is one of the wettest places around the United States, and it gets about 62 inches of rain. That's five foot two of water. That's a Sarah Spivey height of rain. Okay. Dispersed across the whole city. Dispersed across New Boy. Orleans. Can you imagine like a whole Sarah Spivey of rain across New Orleans? I don't know. Ooh, I'd ready. have fun. I'd have fun in New Orleans. I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right, Katie. So that's why the definition of drought depends totally on where you live. So if 10 inches of rain fell in Arizona, the desert mm -hmm. southwest, that would be, which usually it's like maybe three inches of rain, that would be an insanely wet year, right, for them. Mm -hmm. But if 10 inches of rain all year fell here in San Antonio, we'd be 20 inches short of what's average, and so that would be incredibly dry. So the effects of a lack of rain varies over time as well. Not only does it vary with where you live, it varies over time. Mm -hmm. First what happens is that soils dry out and plants die. Okay, then over several weeks, months, and years with less rain than average, the flow of streams and rivers decline, water levels in lakes and reservoirs fall, mm -hmm. which means it's imperative for us to monitor both rainfall and soil moisture because soil mo moisture is the first thing to go. I mean, everybody sees this, right? Like when you're uh, outside in your lawn. The cracked. The cracked. Yeah. Ground. Ground. It's just, you know, nobody wants. When I was a little lawn. kid, I used to, you know, you try, you feel like you could, like, stick your finger down there or something and it doesn't really do anything. And then a snake but come out and bat you. Thank goodness that didn't happen. But Snakes love the dry weather, to be honest. True. TBH. Okay, so we needed to find a way to measure both precipitation and soil moisture. So back in the 1960s, a meteorologist, whoop whoop, named Wayne Palmer, was tasked with coming up with a definition for drought that would take into account rainfall normals and soil moisture. Mm 
He came up with a formula that we still use today called the Palmer Drought Severity Index. You know what I think when I think about Palmer? Arnold Palmer. That's exactly it, Katie. Mm, that Not good the right golfer, now. but the beverage that he would drink, which was half sweet tea and half lemonade. I could go for one of them right now. An Arnold Palmer Index. I can't, that's that's a hard cool. word. Arnold, 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 Arnold Palmer Index. Nope, nope. Palmer Drought Index. There okay, it that's is. it. So here are the index, indices that we use today still, okay? Mm -hmm. We got D0, which is the least, all the way to D4, which is the most. Got it. D0 means abnormally dry. Okay. This means short-term dryness, which may slow planting, growth of crops, or pastures. D1, moderate drought. Some damage to crops or pastures. This is when streams, res reservoirs, or wells are low and some water shortages are developing. This is also when, you know, voluntary water restrictions may come into play, mm -hmm. but the key word there, voluntary. So that's a moderate drought, D1. D2 is a severe drought where crops or pasture losses are likely. Water shortages are common and also water restrictions are imposed. Mm -hmm. So this is when your local water authority will be like, Listen, don't water your lawns. Sorry, they're going to have to be gr uh, brown and crackly. Yeah. Nothing we can do about it. D3, extreme drought, which is a great band name. <laughs> extreme drought. What kind of music would they play? Uh, uh, probably a combination of things. Clearly. Wow, that sounds so extreme. Okay, <laughs> extreme drought, which is when major crop and pasture losses happen. Also widespread water shortages. So not just like San Antonio, but also like Austin and then Dallas, yeah. all of us dealing with uh, water shortages. And then the last one, D4, exceptional drought. Exceptional and widespread crop and pasture losses. Mm -hmm. This is when it affects like the beef, uh, uh, product when it affects you know yeah. all of our produce uh, shortages in reservoirs streams and wells create a water emergency which is like you know totally limit the amount of time you take a shower mm -hmm. totally watch how much water you consume because it depends the water supply depends uh, very heavily on how much we uh, don't use water so that's an example of so that's not the Palmer Index. The Palmer Index is used to issue drought, essentially. And those are the drought, drought issuances Got it. by the National Weather Service. So how, do we, how the heck do we get out of drought? Well, a lot of people ask, why, if, it, if we get a big thunderstorm, does that not take away the drought, like mm -hmm. one big thunderstorm? Well, because that's cosmetic. As soon as you get a big thunderstorm, the plants are immediately gonna soak it up, use all the water, and then, you're left with nothing, okay, mm -hmm. to, to fill up the reservoirs, to fill up the lakes and rivers and stuff. So one lone thunderstorm doesn't do it. Also, even there may even be, you know, flash flooding that happens at one point. But if it just happens briefly, because maybe it happens in the city where there's a lot of concrete, mm -hmm. all of that is not going to go into, into the soils and it's just gonna kind of be useless, okay? Mm -hmm. What you need to break out of a drought is steady drenching rain, 
which usually comes in the form of like a stationary boundary or, you know, if a tropical uh, disturbance moved through, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be a tropical storm or hurricane, whatever, that would really help to, to alleviate that drought and totally get that soil saturated again so that we can work ourselves back to uh, healthy rivers and streams. Yeah, so that's something that, you know, we have to think about if we are, uh, if we haven't had a lot of rain for a while yeah. and we maybe have a big rain event coming, something we kind of have to consider is like minor flooding issues because right. the ground isn't ready to soak anything up, right? No, it isn't sometimes. And so again, it really just takes those big soaking rains that last for a long time, not just a quick uh, line of storms or something. It's SpongeBob. The ground is SpongeBob. The ground is SpongeBob. There's water, water. You do it way better. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again, do it again. Water, water. water. Okay, Miss Blake, show me some history. History. Okay. Droughts have been a part of our national and global history for a long, long time. Hmm. It's a very long time. So far, in fact, we need to go back to BC. Before Christmas. (laughs) Before Christmas. Before Christ. Yeah. Got it. Somebody told me one time that wasn't what it stood for. I did some research. It is what it stands for. Well, yeah. And now they've done like a different thing where they've taken like... Um, uh, the idea of religion out of it, and so it's BCE, which is before the Common Era, and okay. then and then like AD is now CE, Common Era. But it I all starts that. at zero. Okay, so. okay. So two big droughts that are believed to have taken place in the BC era. The first was in Africa, from roughly 133,000 BC to 88,000 BC. The second, wow, in ancient Egypt, around 2200 BC. A long time ago. Yep. In both cases, since it was so long ago, scientists and researchers had to use sediments from bodies of water around those areas like the Nile Delta. Cool. And Lake Malawi. That's in Africa. Yeah. So they pull these sediment cores out and pick up different... Malawi? Yeah. Lake Malawi? I was just... Re- I don't know how to pronounce it. Malawi. Malawi. I like Malawi. that. Malawi. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for Sorry. interrupting. Sorry, guys. No, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. So these scientists have found different chemicals and elements inside of those sediment cores. And That's cool. In one case, they found ash indicating that maybe their things had been burnt <gasps> due to dry conditions. So a lot of research has gone into that. Yeah. All right. Now, oh, back to the one in Egypt. It is believed that that drought may have played a part in the decline of the civilization that built the famous pyramids. Holy cow, that's awesome. Yeah. So that is a really long time ago. Now we're going to go to 760 AD. Another little sidebar here. AD, Anno Domini. Anno Domini. Anno Domini. Whatever. (laughs) I am so done with my life. Latin I didn't for even mean to correct you there. I Latin for the year of our Lord. Salve, quid audio sotie. Yeah, you're so smart. I'm done. I'm done. Do you want to do the rest no, of this? No, I'm sorry. Okay, zip in my lip. <sighs> I'm so bad. I have, no, I have no accent or anything. Okay. So from about 760 AD to the 9th century, getting a little bit closer to common times not really that's still a long time ago the maya people in mexico and central america saw their empire begin to crumble due to drought and dry periods over the span of centuries uh, so it's believed that these conditions is what led to some of the the 
Mayan cities being abandoned. Oh my gosh. I, there were other things at play as well, but this was kind of what spurred their kind of their economy and yeah. stuff like that. I'm of, so fascinated by just how many uh, f former civilizations were, you know, devastated by weather. Like it's crazy. It's a it's a cycle, especially with drought, because in the same way that drought impacts us today, it starts to affect crops. Yep. Which then is you know the food you have available not only for people but also for livestock things like that so it's a it's a cycle and we could see that looking back to these to these older civilizations yep. so that is up to the ninth century now we're going to get things a little, little little bit more familiar okay uh, this is something that a lot of folks have probably at least heard of the dust bowl which lasted from 1931 to 1939 in a part of the great plains of north america yeah i have a DVD about the Dust Bowl. You do? Yes. Do you, uh, that's it's, awesome. You own a DVD about yeah, the Dust Bowl. Yeah. That's like incredible. A P, it was a PBS. Have you ever read The Grapes of Wrath? No. It's set in the Dust Bowl. I need I need to read that classic book. You know, you can if you want. Um, I was particularly bored by it. Well, respect the classics. I, okay, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. I respect, respect the classics. I'm just going to put some respect on it. Um, so, the Dust Bowl really an interesting setup because before it began a lot of people headed west to as far west as california but yeah. to a portion of the great plains and began plowing fields to try and make money and for a time this was not a problem demand for wheat was up life was really really good however when the great depression set in this caused even more farmers to try and plant and harvest to try to keep up with the failing economy so we've got all this land out there that's being plowed, you know, stirring up all the dirt. Basically, the soil is just really loose because it's getting used so much. Um, so they're trying to keep up with things when the Great Depression started, and then it just kind of all fell apart. Um, the drought began in 1931, so you had all this plowed up dirt in the Great Plains and no rain. Wow. None. So dust storms began and would plague the region for almost a decade until 1939 almost. Yeah, and so how do how do dust storms happen? So you've got all that loose soil and stuff like that and and it just all gets picked up and it's like when it starts when it starts to move it moves through like a blizzard. Yeah. They called them the black blizzards wow. of the dust bowl because it all this dust moves in almost like a wall mm. and 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 it, the visibility goes down to almost About nothing zero, sometimes, right? like it would in an actual blizzard. So, yeah. So the the dust was bad. That you not only had issues with no water for the crops, but then this dust would people would breathe it in, and it would be really harmful to people to so their mm. respiratory systems. And so you had that aspect of it too. Yeah. Um, another big drought was in China in 1941 and 1942 during World War II. This, again, affected crops and food availability. So any food that they could get out of that region, it had to go directly to their troops first because they're in the middle of World War II. So that caused a lack of food for residents there, and it ended up with nearly 3 million people dying of starvation. Oh, my God because they had to try to feed their armies first, and so then that left the people with no food. I was surprised I hadn't heard about that before. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, 
back to the United States and Texas, the drought of 1950 and 1957. Our coworker Justin Horn brought this up. This he isn't did. like a big national or, or global drought that people know of, but um, if you live in South Central Texas, if you've lived here for a while, you may be familiar with this, and some of our viewers, have they lived through it. Yeah. Um, so it's something that's brought up sometimes. The, the drought that took place in, in South and Central Texas during those seven years um, was so intense that they had to completely put in a new water reservoir system in Texas and because things were so bad. And what's interesting is I, I read in an article that that system served Texas well until the drought of 2011, which oh, interesting. we're gonna talk about too. Um, and something interesting about the 50 to 57 drought in Texas and Justin brought this up as well. We've got some viewers that when they talk about the drought, they call it a drought. Like with a T-H at the end. Yeah, D-R-O-U-T-H. And so I looked this up and drought is actually a Scottish noun, but it means drought. So you and I were kind of talking about this, you yeah. know, do we have some families around here of like Scottish descent? And so that was a that was the word they used for drought was drought. Um, I'm not sure. You know, and that could be it because you think about it and, and family traditions are passed on, mm -hmm. especially in rural areas, family mm -hmm. traditions are passed on. Like my, my family's Polish, okay? I don't know a single <laughs> phrase in Polish, okay? I know that I like pierogies, but there's one thing that we do and we call our aunts our chuchkas, which oh. is Polish for aunt. So I call my aunt, her name is Shelly, but I call her Chuch, which is short for Chuchka. That's funny. So it's funny how like languages and, and branches of languages get passed on. So that's probably something that really solidified in people's brains because there was this huge drought and they just called it a drought. And now that's mm -hmm. what people call, some people call drought, drought. That's interesting. Interesting. That's cool. All right. Um, okay, so we are going to jump to the Northern Great Plains drought, this is the 80s, so 87 to 89. During this drought, corn and soybean crops suffered. So this is the northern part of the Great Plains, so like Kansas and up to the north, okay. so into portions of the Dakotas. Uh, this drought also was blamed for heat waves and forest fires, including one that closed Yellowstone National Park for the first time in its history. The whole park was closed uh, in 1988. That was the first time in its history? Mm -hmm. Because of the drought that caused wildfires across a good portion of the park. So something interesting there. Yeah. I'm gonna take you to 2006 to 2010 in Syria. This is when a drought began in that country. People in Syrian farming communities left due to dying crops and livestock. Same kind of cycle that we've seen here through history. However, they encountered hostility from the government and this is believed to be the start of that country's civil war, which is still not resolved. That's incredible. That's all because of a drought. It's believed, yes. So all those different farming communities, they were coming to some of the more populated areas. Hostility began for whatever reason. Yeah. And since then, that country has been in a civil war. Wow. Yeah, crazy to think the drought could do that. And most recently, and folks in Texas will remember this, the drought of 2011, that was a very, very bad year for us. Um, I've got an article here from the Texas water policy website and they claim the 2011 drought that was the driest year in texas history 
So as I was talking about earlier with the drought of the 50s, the infrastructure that they had put in with the reservoirs, it did fine up till 2011. And 2011 was so bad that wow. it did not it did not hold up. Um, driest year in Texas history, uh, $8 billion loss in the agriculture sector. Which is incredible. I mean, I remember that year. I just remember it being exceptionally hot. Mm -hmm. Like we had four weeks of 100 plus degree heat in mm -hmm. a row, but I remember it being hot. I wouldn't think that $8 billion in damage was done to the Texas economy. That's incredible. Yeah, so there's no rain. It was also excessively hot. And so then that caused wildfires. And in 2011, because of this drought, we had the costliest wildfire in Texas history in Bastrop County. Mm. Um, it destroyed 1,691 homes yeah. and left 325 million in losses. And again, that's from the same Texas Water Policy website. And I have to give a shout out to history.com. Yeah for the info about kind of the global droughts as well. They they had a really nice page about some of the biggest droughts and Thanks, history. In global com. history. So history.com, Texas water policy page. Um, and what's interesting, we could do a whole other thing on this, the Texas water policy pages, they say because of 2011, um, you know, we, the next one could be worse and we're not ready. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. And I would argue that most states aren't ready. So it's something that I don't want to say the word climate change, but as we get well, into you can say <laughs> as you can we say climate change. as we have to face climate change, things like drought are going to get worse, and it's going to have to be something we're adaptable to. I can't wait for that podcast episode. Oh, that'll be great. <laughs> um, I want to. If I found this quote here from a farmer from the Dust Bowl. Oh yeah. Okay. It says, "I felt I was becoming a slave to the land." but I held on to the thought that the land had to stop blowing. Often I was so full of dust that I drove blind, unable to even see the radiator cap on my tractor or hear the roar of the engines, but I kept driving on and on by guess and instinct. I was making my last stand in the Dust Bowl. Wow. Incredible uh, that, they, that people can survive and thrive through something as horrible as the Dust Bowl, as horrible as the 2011 mm -hmm. uh, uh, drought here. And speaking of Bastrop, which got completely destroyed by fire, I drove that way all the time because that's I go from San Antonio College Station and, and Bastrop is mm -hmm. there. One side of the highway, toothpick pines. The other side of the highway, these lush pines. Wow. And so you can just see the, the damage seven years later. Wow. It's incredible. Thanks, Katie. That was so fascinating. Thank you. What a great episode. Okay, so for our Week in TV, I thought we could answer a question. Yeah. Do you feel okay about that? I do. We as meteorologists pull crazy hours, uh, especially when there are uh, tornadoes or severe weather or something. So mm -hmm. I want to know, Katie, what is the longest you've stayed up covering storms? I'm trying to think. So during Harvey here at KSAT, we did 12-hour shifts. And I don't think I really slept much, <laughs> even when to. I technically wasn't on my shift. I don't remember, though. Um, I, th I want to say when I, my job before KSAT, I was in Abilene. And you, we kind of work same-ish area. 
severe weather is yeah. big in that part of Texas and then southern Oklahoma. And so I believe we had, this one afternoon, we had tornadoes coming through. And then I, I was the morning meteorologist, so I worked my morning shift. And then I came back in in the afternoon and evening to cover some severe weather in studio. And then went home and I, th I think slept for like an hour and then came back to do my morning shift because you know I have to get there like two yeah. in the morning. And I think I couldn't even sleep. So I was like, well, I'll just go back into work. And so I think it was over the like two day period, I think I maybe slept for two or three hours, yeah, my, something like that. That makes sense. My story is very similar to that. I mean, when you get up to the event, you're hyped because you want to make sure to keep people prepared mm -hmm. so you don't sleep that much. Mm -hmm. Then when storms are happening, I mean, I've been on TV for six hours straight covering wall-to-wall -wall covering tornadoes in southern Oklahoma and North Texas. And then once you're done with that, you're wired still because your brain has been going for six hours. Mm -hmm. You're covering social media, you're doing all this stuff. So I wasn't able to sleep and we were still dealing with tornadoes in the area got maybe one or two hours of sleep and then came back and did the morning show exactly like you. So yeah, I would say within like, in like a 48 hour period, probably two hours of sleep. So yeah. it, it gets crazy. And then there are those times like in, in a drought where the weather is the same every single day mm -hmm. and you're like, what? Okay, there's nothing to talk about here. <laughs> so uh, I, that's just like a little behind the scenes of, of what it takes to be um, a crazy meteorologist. <laughs> we are crazy. So remember to drink water and <laughs> weather, weather the, the weather, weather whatever, whatever the weather. weather.